beautiful day to celebrate Father's Day. Anything you want to do outside is a beautiful time. But I want to challenge you this morning. We started a series last week, Getting Out of the Box. Last week we talked about what it meant for the church to get out of the box. And this is a pretty dicey subject, to be honest with you. Because it's easy to get comfortable and think that that's a good place. But the op- opposition to greatness is just that, good. When you think things are good, but God's trying to move you forward, it's easy to get comfortable. So last week when we talked about what it meant for the church to get out of the box, it wasn't so much that we were doing things wrong, it was just that we're a little comfortable. And so today I'm not here to really rattle your cage, because what I have discovered is if you just come in and turn somebody's box over, you can get them out, but they're not happy. Now, I, I, I am not, for those of you who know me, you know I'm not necessarily here to make anybody happy. It, it's not that I want to make people mad, but sometimes the truth can set you free. <laughs> now, what I do want to do this morning, though, is talk about the fact that as we apply the Word of God, what does it look like for the message to get out of the box? What does it look like for the the message of the kingdom to once again become alive? And when I say that, um, sometimes the word evangelism hits our memory, doesn't it? And if you ever use the word evangelism in church, a lot of times people's palms start getting sweaty because they think you're going to take them door-to-door witnessing and then everybody starts getting ready to pass out. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. Some of you are gifted for that. But I am going to talk about um, an aspect of this that I believe applies to all of us this morning. Would you do me um, a favor? We did this last week, but I want us to stand for the reading of the word. In Mark, the second chapter, starting at verse 1, it simply says this. And when he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no room not even at the door. And as he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed in which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, Pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, God, I pray that you touch our hearts that we may receive. Open our eyes this morning. Lord, not just to see what we think is obvious, but what you are showing us through your word. 
Let us hear your spirit speak to us, Lord. And God, I pray that lives be changed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Last week we talked about uh, the challenges of getting out of the box, but first of all, we had to define what a box was. What, what does being in a box look like, especially for the church? Well, I believe it's, it's traditions. Okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with tradition. Okay? As long as you know why you're doing it. When a tradition becomes silly, it's when you do something and you don't even know why you're doing it. Now, I don't, this is not to judge because we all have traditions. But if you're just going through the motions on something, believe me, you can go through the motions on anything. So sometimes traditions, just going through the motions, keep us in a box. Um, maybe it's personal preferences that keep us in a box. It, it could be that, that things that have um, been taking place in the church or the history of the church or the politics of the church. We all have different churches and church backgrounds that we come from. Maybe it's those things that just keep us locked in. And we've heard people say it before, stop rocking the boat. You know, put the lid on that, would you? Um, so what do we mean by taking the lid off? One thing that keeps us in a box is things that have happened to us. It's personal pain, personal struggle, personal um, things that we've had to walk through. And listen, if you've not had to walk through something painful, just live a few more days. Because it, it, it could be, and you've heard this before, I know, if you're not in the middle of a storm, you're either coming out of it or put your seatbelts on because you're getting ready to go into one. Now, that's, all, that's not always encouraging to some people because we'd like to think that when we give our lives to Jesus, all the storms cease for eternity. <laughs> no. That is not how it works. What it does mean, though, he is the peace in the midst of the storm. Now, now I want to break this down for a few minutes this morning. Um, I'm going to try to do it a little bit shorter than I did in the earlier service. But I, I want to make it... Uh, I, need it, I need it to resonate, so I need the, the Holy Spirit to help me. You see, because a lot is happening in this passage. Um, when you start, if you go back to chapter 1 of Mark, it talks about Jesus being in the temple. And Luke chapter 4 tells us, and Josh, Pastor Josh read it this morning. Jesus stands in the temple, he unrolls Isaiah 61, and he reads that, that he has now been proclaimed and the truth is now proclaimed. The good news, blinded eyes will be opened. Broken lives will be put back together. He rolls up, sits down, mic drop. Um, Jesus' authority begins to be demonstrated. Mark is written, Mark is not written to the Jewish believer. Mark is not written even to the, the Greek necessarily. Mark is written to the common man. Some would even say the military mindset. Because when you look at Matthew, Luke, they, they show you Jesus coming in the manger. And Jesus is the miraculous birth of the Holy Spirit through the Virgin Mary. In John, he is the Word become flesh. But, but in Mark, he comes in sandals. And he walks down to, to John the Baptist and he's baptized. Now I say that because he's the man's man. He's called the Son of Man in Mark. 
Son of man means that he has the deity of God and he's walking in that authority to prove it through the book of Mark. And so as he is coming out of the synagogue in Mark, you, you see him now miracle after miracle, even in Peter's house. He goes into Peter's home and Peter's mother-in-law is sick and he heals her. Right there, that tells you that even Jesus loves mother-in-laws. Amen. In closing, <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing though because once the word starts getting out, Jesus can't go anywhere and people are following him. And by the time we get to the end of chapter 1, we find that, that they're literally pressing in and people are being healed left and right. And then even a leper comes up and, and at that point, we know that, that Jesus' authority, not as being challenged by the leper, but is, is being seen because if you are in the vicinity of a leper, they don't come close to you and you don't go close to them. But this leper, instead of saying unclean, the leper begins to say, Jesus, if you will. And Jesus says, I will. And he touches him. Now, now this is starting to get people riled up because now he's walking in that authority. He's not just talking in authority, but people's lives are being healed. There's profound understanding that lives are being changed. He touches the unclean. And then he goes to Capernaum. As he's sitting in this home, some would suggest that it's the home of Peter. We certainly know that Capernaum was the place that Jesus sort of called his headquarters. And he's sitting there and the place is filled. He's teaching. Jesus' first grace group. The place is packed out. And more begin to come. Because now the word is out. They, they have found Jesus again and many begin to come. Many who have needs, many who have desires. And see, here's, here's the first thing about, uh, I, don't have any, I don't have a lot of points on this. I'm just telling this story and I'm driving stuff home when I get to it. But here's a big challenge for us when we hear these stories. They've just become stories. We hear this and it's just another Sunday school story. We hear this and it's just another thing. Well, of course Jesus has power. Do you believe Jesus has power? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus is teaching. And as the crowds press in, there's no room. They're standing at the door. They're looking in the windows. And these four men, the Bible says, are bringing this paralytic on a mat. If you've heard the story before, don't get ahead of me. Because we're not going where you think you are. These four men are carrying... This paralytic, this man paralyzed, can't move, can't do for himself, doesn't really maybe understand what's happening. But what they understand is that if we can get our friend to Jesus, something's going to happen. And, and we've always equated to that to bring your friend to church Sunday. Right? So at least if four of us can get together, and, and I've heard this preach, so I don't mean this sarcastically. I heard an old preacher one time when I was a kid he said, I just wish God would allow us to put the power of Jesus in a bullet. Because then you could just send them and send them straight to heaven. I thought, I think I like that. I'm not, that sounds like it'll work. Why? Because you try to, if we're honest, sometimes we try to help people and we feel like we're just dragging people to church. And it's more of a, would you come on? Because so the pastor will stop asking me. Just one service, I'm begging you, one service and I'll buy you lunch. How's that? And so they're on a mat and we feel like we're dragging them to church. 
Well, that, that can be an application, a very poor application, but here's how I view that. There, there were four men who cared enough about somebody that they were willing to carry the weight. And see, the reality is, you really are carrying somebody's weight. I just want to help you see it this morning. It may be as a father, feeling the weight of a family. It, it may be that at work, you, you carry the weight, you feel the weight of things in your life. It may be that you're battling with something and, and that you're just trying to help people and you're walking in your own pain, but you're just trying to help. But the whole idea of carrying someone doesn't mean that you're that physically close that you could touch them. Some of you are carrying people from a distance. I'd like to encourage you to understand that even through your prayers, you're carrying people. And you're starting to just flip this real quick. Don't ever think that because you're a carrier, you've never been carried. As a matter of fact, it all started with your mother. She carried you for nine months. That's a fact. Um, even after you were born, you couldn't walk. Somebody had to carry you around. Um, by the third child, they didn't care if it was complete strangers. <laughs> and, and people carried you around. But you still, you, you might have been in first grade, second grade. But listen, even when you became that teenager who knows everything, that was me. I thought I, I, thought I was handling life by myself. I didn't realize all along I still needed to be carried half the time. Every time I made a mistake, somebody was picking up the pieces. And see, what I realized, and even as an adult, I think I have life put together, but I really don't. I make, I make just as many mistakes now, hello, they're just different. I make, I make just as many stupid decisions now, they're just different. There, there's still people around me, there's still my wife, my family, and, and there's still the church. In other words, we, we help each other. And, and please hear my heart for all the individuals out there, and you may know someone who's like, he's not talking to me. I got my act together. Okay. But I promise you, at some point, you're going to realize that you're not as together as you think you are. And, and sometimes, even if you're the one carrying the weight, Sometimes it's just a wonderful pleasure, even if it's 3 o'clock in the morning, of God reminding you, I've got you. I'm carrying you. You don't have to feel the weight. I'm carrying you. See, somebody's always caring. Somebody's always moving on your behalf. So I can identify with the carriers, but that's not what I want to talk about this morning. Because as they decided, I want to make a way. Because they had determined we can't get through the crowd. Whether they just didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings, we don't really know. What we do know is one of them said, I've got an idea. <laughs> um, and they climbed up and removed several of the tiles. And if you read Luke, there were tiles in that setting, in that culture. It could have been anything from branches to clay. Who cares? They made a hole, and they lowered the man down to Jesus. Now, this is the part of the story that I want to get very correct because the application can be many here, but the, 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 the correct application of the story needs to be told. Because, see, Jesus healing this man was never the point. And, and let me just say this as, as 
clearly as I can. There's going to be a lot of things in your life that you walk with, that you want healing from, that physically you may never get. Because you being perfect here is never the point. Us, us having total use of our bodies, and this isn't a complaint, it's just a reality. I'm only 56. And we were changing light bulbs here in the church the other day, and I, I told one of the guys, I'm like, man, I think I just worked out. And I changed a light bulb for Christ. This is crazy. Okay, why? Because when you get older, you can't do what you used to do when you were younger. Uh, not as fast, anyway. <laughs> um, so the reality is, we're not, you know, some things, and in, in, if I say anything that makes sense, I don't need a lot of response this morning, but if you nod your head, I'll know you're with me. Because sometimes we want God to come and heal all the stuff we have to wrestle with, and that's never been his intention. He'd rather you grow than be physically so fit you don't think you need him. Now, I, I say that because there, there's a part of me that I know these men were trying to get this man to Jesus because healings were happening everywhere. But it was never Jesus' intent to heal this man. When the man was lowered through the roof, the first thing that Jesus said, he thought in his mind, man, I'm, I'm impressed with their faith. He was impressed with their faith. Not their tactics. Just the fact that they believed. That somebody believed. See, you can be in the middle of a crowd and Jesus will find the person that believes. You can be in the middle of a lot of circumstances, but, but it, it seems that God responds to the people who really are hungry and believe. Now I say that because the first thing Jesus says is, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now that, that is not what I would have said. If, if you're here because we have a healing ministry, and someone is lowered through the roof, first of all, the cameras better be rolling, right? The cameras need to be rolling. Everybody's got your phones out. We're going live here. Somebody's being lowered. They removed the, the metal strips. We've removed the tile. They're coming down through. We're making sure the camera's got the right shot. Anybody with me? And I'm not going to say, you're forgiven. I want to jump right to the rise! So we can get that on film, right? Why? Because then this place will be packed out next Thursday night. Why? Because everybody wants to come to watch the rise. But you can't miss what was really happening there. Because Jesus says, the first thing out of his mouth, son, your sins are forgiven. Can I talk about what sin is for a minute? Sin is not an action. It's a heart issue. Now, sin produces an action. See, uh, picking an apple is not a sin. It's when Jesus said, stay away from that tree. And you decided that, you know what? If I have what that tree can give me, I'll be satisfied. I, I'll know as much as God. I, I, that can be my God. It's when, when sin is anything you desire that takes the place of God in your life. So, so let me just drive this home a little bit. Because what about the Ten Commandments? Everybody's all, I, I hear people all the time saying, the Ten Commandments has nothing to do with us in the New Testament anymore. Try the don't kill anyone command. 
That'll mess you up every time. But why? Why did God say, thou shalt not kill? Why do you, well, we don't want to kill anybody. That's a good reason, but listen, why would you want to kill someone? Because you have somehow decided life without them would be better for me. So I've decided that taking this life is what's going to move me forward. Thou shalt not steal. Corey has something that I've decided. I don't need God anymore. I need what Corey's got. So I steal it. See, God's not up there making a bunch of rules saying, thou shalt not steal, that's not right. No, because what is the first command? I am the Lord your God. You will have no God before me. Now what is he saying? He's saying it's very simple for us to take any common thing and put that before God. Now that's sin. Sin is anything you transfer and put God second and something else becomes what. This is what's going to make me happy. This is what's going to keep me and give me peace in my life. I thought you used to serve God. Well, I hit a bump in the road. Now I believe it's this. Am I making any sense? So sin is anything. Well, pastor, there are some things that bring joy. Yes. I'm not saying you can't have fun in life. What I am saying is it's when you replace God with what you think is going to bring you happiness. Now, you can fill in the blank on whatever it is in your life because it's going to hit every one of us. Am I making sense? So, so we find Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven. And that kind of authority only came from divine authority. Because it's not like forgiveness of me asking Pastor Corey to forgive me. Because see, when we ask each other to forgive us, husbands and wives, when you ask each other to forgive us, friends, here's what that's saying. Please forgive me because I don't want to argue anymore. Please forgive me, and we know after a couple days the emotions will, will calm down. And if, you, if you're married long enough, senility kicks in, and you, you just forget what you're arguing about anyway. And, and so, so over time, the emotions go down, and we're, and we're forgiven, right? See, that's not, God doesn't forgive you because eventually his feelings aren't hurt anymore. There's a demand for payment. And so when Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven you, it's, it's a court decision. It's a legalistic decision. He's saying, son, all charges are dropped. You're free. Everything held against you from the beginning of time. Everything that the law said you would never live up to your sins have been forgiven. Clean slate. With the Sadducees and the Pharisees that had gathered, they had front row seats in the room because they're there. They always want to be the first ones there because they're just trying to find something. And as soon as Jesus, the Son of Man, says, you've got a clean slate, they start thinking, who was he to decide who's got a clean slate? Who does he think he is to say, your sins are forgiven you? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, simply says this, and I love this translation, because when Jesus says he knew in their hearts, he said, because you are thinking this, what are you saying? That, that for me to say his sins are forgiven, what if I were to say, rise up and walk? He said, but 
but for you to know that I have that authority. It's that word no. When you, when you break that word no down, now I know in its simplest terms it means so you will understand. But in, in the context that it's used, it says so we can get this squared away. Now what does that mean? That means you, you guys can sit here and talk about it all day long. But let's just get this squared away before we move on. Here's the bottom line. Now, talk amongst yourselves, but here's the bottom line. I don't think I agree with that. Jesus would lovingly be saying, who asked you? There's the bottom line. I'm not, I'm not real sure because what if, okay, that's okay. I understand you're not sure right now. It'll make sense later. There's the bottom line. So you will know that I have authority to forgive a man of his sins now, here's what he says. Son, take up your bed and go home. And the Bible says immediately he took up his bed and he went before them and left. Luke says he left praising God and they were all amazing. They began praising God. I believe, I believe he left with one hand around his bed and one hand praising Jesus. Now, what's that got to do with us? First of all, I think it's, 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 just e it's too easy for us to realize that, that we're sinners saved by grace. You see, Jesus has already paid the price for our sin, so it's not really, I'm not here to convince you that, that we are in need of a Savior. We know, I believe, we know that we need a Savior. I, I do believe we need a little bit of a heart check on what we've made a God recently. We need a continual reminder of the things in our life that we put before God if we're not careful. Because even the little things that we don't think are important begin to grow over time. And the next thing you know, God's not as important as that thing. So it's just a sort of a gut check, if you will. But, but let me fast forward very quickly because it's not so much the man, the men that are carrying him in that I can relate to. It's, it's the man on the mat. See, I'm the, I'm the guy on the mat. Now, what do I mean by that? He was paralyzed. He couldn't get to Jesus by himself. The Bible doesn't tell us how long that man had been paralyzed, possibly his whole life, on a mat. Someone always having to care for him. And why, how can I equate to that? Because I, I know what it is to, to, to be in a situation where you're frozen. It might be that you're afraid to take that next step. You're constantly wrestling. You ready? You put your seatbelts on for a minute. You're constantly wrestling with that same old stuff. You're constantly wrestling. You're able, you're able to put this away for two days, and you fight it. You try to man up, and you try to, you're going you're gonna to take care of it, but it, it, it's right back in your life again, whatever that is. You decide you're going to make... I'm New Year's resolution, February 4th, right there. I'm going to decide. I'm going to decide. And it keeps you paralyzed. Because we, we think that our strength is what gets this out of the way, and you don't realize that you're not saved by works. So we're, we're paralyzed. Making any sense? We're paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by our circumstances. Our brokenness keeps us in a place that we don't want to be. Now, and, and I'm going to say this because I, I need you to understand it's our brokenness that God wants to use. 
God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? Have you been through a divorce? Has your life been just, just devastated in some area that you think you will never be able to recover? Have you ever been fired from a job? Have you ever lost something that was dear to you and, and just did not even understand how? Pastor, why are you bringing up all these hurtful feelings? Because you need to understand that life will paralyze you. And, and you'll think that that's the new norm. I'm not supposed to have a job. I'm not supposed to be whole. I'm not supposed to, to think clearly. I'm, life is supposed to always be like this. Listen, that's when you're paralyzed. And the beautiful thing is, whether it's a relationship, whatever it may be in your life, I, I wish I could tell you that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, there's never going to be another storm. I've already mentioned it. But that it's just going to be peace in the valley for me. That's called a funeral. Okay? Now, while, while you're living this out, I read, I read a couple days ago, there's a, there's a Christian Chinese toast before dinner that says this. Choose your weapons. Choose your sides. Choose your king. Get ready for battle. And it was all about the king of kings and lord of lords. In other words, as Christians, because see, here's uh, just a side note. Um, China, Japan, those countries... You can't have church like we're having church right now. And we take that freedom for granted. But I'm saying that people who know it will cost you something, they count the cost. So before their meals, choose your weapon, word of God. Choose your sides, good and evil. Choose your king, who are you serving? Now let's battle. So I'm just saying that because so many times when we're on our mat, we just think that's how it's going to be. That, that's how it's going to be. But, but see, I hear the words of Jesus. Your sins are forgiven you. Can I tell you the hardest person that I've had to forgive is me. The hardest person, because I, I look at all my mess-ups, and quite frankly, I, I love it when people come and visit. I, I, I'll talk to anybody. Because I'm a talker. And we talk, and Love on each other. Man, we all have a great time. But after a while, I'm tired of hearing about everybody's sin. It's just, okay, 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 you win. You win. You know, you're, you're worse than I am. Okay, we got that. Uh, it's, it's not a bragging thing. It's just we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, but we can pray. I can love on you. But, but when, I'm, when I'm by myself in the middle of the night and I know me and I know my past and I know my present, I know my thinking, I know how I am, I start to beat myself up a little bit. Because I just, it's hard to forgive me. But then I have to be reminded, John, what are you thinking? Do you think it's easier for me to say, get up and walk? than it is to say, forgive you of your sins? I'm telling you, John, to, to prove that I have power to forgive you of your sins, get up and walk. Now, what does that mean for me? It, whatever circumstance I'm in. Whatever circumstance I'm in. If, it, if it's a relationship issue, I get up and I walk into it and I love that person unconditionally. 
If it's finances, I get up, I, I align things, I, I don't buy what I want, I, I, I use whatever I can, and we get through it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't sit around saying, Lord, you've got to heal this. He's like, no, you've got to learn this. And so I, I find myself getting up. But the powerful thing about this is, is how when I am forgiven and I start to live like I'm forgiven and I get up, the Bible says he took up his bed. And here, here's what I don't understand. For a long time as a child and as a young man, I used to read that and say, man, if I was healed, I would have been out of there. Forget the mat. Forget the mat. I can buy another mat. I can walk. This is powerful. I, I, can, I, can, I don't need to carry that thing around. Can I tell you, John McLeod version, take up your bed and go home. Two powerful applications and I'm going to close. Take your bed and go home. Um, I think taking his bed, rolling up his mat, taking his mat, and taking that home, it, it helps him with something. It helps him remember, don't ever forget how you got here. Don't ever forget where you were, and don't forget how you got here. Now, that is not to suggest that we carry our sins with us. We've been cleansed from all unrighteousness. But you ever hear about a scar? There's some scars you're going to carry. There's some things in your life that are going to follow you. There might be a reputation that follows you. There might be talk that follows you. That's why I love that when he said he went out before them, not behind them. You know, when Jesus saves you, you don't have to sneak around anymore. You don't have to pretend somebody finds out. Any, you're not waiting for that spiritual shoe to drop. Because when Jesus forgives you of your sins and you start to walk it out, you can walk before people. They're going to have opinions about you. Just understand, people will always have opinions. Who cares? People will always have a, uh, something they want to say to your back. But he took up his bed and he went home. Now, that, that's a powerful thing because we have to start walking like our past really is our past. And he, and he took the bed up and he went home. But I also know that it also for me represents a powerful illustration that simply says, John, don't ever forget it's not you that's letting you walk. I want you to hold that mat just to remind you who's letting you walk right now. Because you used to be on the mat. Have I ever shared with you that I hold a state record in the state of Delaware? It's a small state. I hold a state record in the state of Delaware in the sport of wrestling. Here's my record. You ready? I got pinned in 13 seconds. Now, I'm not a small fella. But at that time, I weighed 165. I was brand new to the school. My dad moved to Seaford, Delaware, pastoring the church. I came to school. It was Christmas. I wanted to get to know people. So they said, hey, join the wrestling team. So at 165, I joined the wrestling team, and the 185 guy broke his leg. And it was the day before conference. I had been to two practices, and I'd wrestled before. But I thought, I got this. I, you know, I, I know I'm 20 pounds lighter, but I got this, man. 
I've been doing this. I actually was a regional champion in Illinois. So I, I said, I got this. Who, it's the state of Delaware. It's got three counties, for crying out loud. Well, what I didn't know is that even in the conference setting, I was wrestling the former state champion. And he looked like a small bull <laughs> when he walked out on the mat. And the last thing I remember is, John, good job. Because as I, as I went up to him and, and grabbed a hold of him, the next thing I know, I was pinned. State record, not proud of it, but... Just wanted to share that with you. Now, I say that because there are things in my life that God brings me through and God will bring you through. But he says, hey, you know what? That scar's there for a reason. Because if you ever, every one of us has done this. We've been through a tough time and we've cried out to God and he's brought us out. And as soon as you get your shoulder square, you think it's all you. You think it's your strength. You think it's your ability you think it's your resources. You, th you think it's you right up until your life falls apart again. And the reason he's saying I want you to carry this is because there's a tendency for us to be able to forget who really is the healer in the house. There's a tendency for us to sort of forget. Now listen, this goes both ways. Who's the one that forgives? Because see, when I understand how much he's forgiven me, now I really can forgive you. That Matt sort of reminds me that that grace goes all the way. But then I love it that he said, go home. Now, what does that mean? Am I making any sense today? He said, go home. In the New Testament, home or household or dwelling, the word oikos is used. And I've talked about this before because oikos, that dwelling place, meant that's where you're Major relationships take place. And most people have anywhere between 8 and 14 or 15 some type of acquaintances, not close friends. You might have two, maybe three close friends. But acquaintances, people you work with, people you pass during the day, people that, that may be in your family but you don't see them a lot anymore. People that you know that you can communicate with. Here's what he was saying. I want you to go home to those relationships that you have and be there. Jesus didn't say go start a ministry. He didn't say go buy a bus. Come on now. Some of you, if Jesus did that, you'd go straight to seminary and buy a bus. You want to start a healing ministry. No, he said, I want you to go. Why? Because there's a mom, there's a sister, there's somebody that you work with, there's somebody that you, that you know, that knows you, and the first thing they're going to say is, what has happened? What, what's going on in your life? How are you carrying what you couldn't get off of? How are you able to function when, when I saw you last week, you couldn't even sit up? Well, believe it or not, I fell through a roof. You know, believe it or not, I got into the presence of Jesus Christ, and all he said was, your sins are forgiven. And then he told me to get up and take my bed and come hang out with you. Now, I'm saying that because every one of you have a story. Every one of you have a mat. You know, whatever your mat is. Every one of you have a situation that, that you know you've battled with and you've battled through. 
Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us have stuff that we're wrestling with. Somebody give me an amen. It might be sin that you're wrestling with right now. You, you've put something before God and you're running to that thing to make you happy. You're running to that thing to give you joy. Or, or it could be that you're battling, you really are battling with stuff in your mind. I talked about this last week. I, it might be depression. It might be fear. It might be anxiety. And here's the thing. Sometimes God will say, get up, take up your bed and walk. And, and you're walking home and you have that same anxiety in your mind. But it's a determination not to let it stop you. It, it, it could be, and I just hear me out this morning, it, it could be that God is trying to show you you're battling what you're battling, but you're battling it in the wrong place. Get off the mat. Um, it, it's okay to get around people who can help you. It, it's okay. I heard three great messages a few weeks ago. It was about specifically about depression. The three titles struck my attention. The first title is Almost Healed. Almost Healed. And what he was talking about is there comes a place in your life where you realize you are going to walk with that limp, whatever that limp is, for the rest of your life. In this case, it's talking about depression. Now, why am I bringing up depression? Because everybody in this church either battles with it or knows somebody who does. And we're living in denial if we say we don't. And we've got to take away the stigma of it because it's almost, here's how silly it is if we're not careful, and I'm being very serious. It's almost like we would all be laying on a mat, but we're pretending that there aren't any mats. Okay? It's a faith church. There are no mats. There are no mats. There are no mats. No, that's called a denial church. Am I making any sense? And I'm not making fun or making light. I'm saying we need to get real about it. But there's a second sermon that not only says almost healed, but it says there's two roads, take one. Meaning, there's help out there. Don't be afraid to walk on it. And then the last one literally dealt with the medication involved with depression at times. And I know, I know we live in a, a, a stigma-filled society that's anti-medication. And listen, I'm not trying to push anyone toward medication, but, but do you, you do know that... that it wasn't too long ago that, that if something happened to you, the way they fixed it was using leeches. Just put leeches on them. They'll suck out the blood and that'll fix something. My, my point is medicine's come a long way. If I fell today in the parking lot, Lord, please don't prove any points right now, Lord. If I fell today in the parking lot and broke my arm, I would want you to pray for me on the way to the hospital. I would, well, pastor, don't you believe in miracles? Yes, I believe in miracles, and I also believe in the miracle of medicine. Because I also believe that they've got a, some type of pill that they'll give me, and if you'll stop touching me, we can get there quicker. So pray for me, but I know they can put a cast on it, and it'll heal straight. Now, and listen, I'm old school, so I've been around those tent revivals where some, somebody would fall, and you hear the story, oh, he fell and broke his arm, and they just wrapped the Bible around that arm, and he was healed. There's a hospital right down the road. We're not, we're not out in the woods anymore. And it's not that we don't believe in God because we take somebody to the hospital. 
It's not that we don't believe in God. Am I making any sense? I'm not trying to be funny. It's just we've, we've also allowed ourselves to say, well, we've got medicine now. There is no God. Don't be fooled. The fool has said, there is no God. So where does this go? Here's what this week looks like. Because see, your story, you sharing your story, you getting the message out of the box simply looks like this. You may never stand on a stage. Who cares? Church is changing quickly, guys. It's not about stage and pulpits. It's, it's about tomorrow at lunch. When you're sitting there and you've decided in your heart, I'm, I'm going to believe what Christ has done in my life. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I love the words of that song. If you could see where I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, I know if you could see John McLeod where he started, the miracle of grace that brought me to this place, I'm here to say I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. The things in this world that I have won, I could not claim as my own. The things I claim as victories, they're only things God has done. You see, everything we do circles back around to, I, I, can, I can sort of fake it till I make it. I can try, try, try. But the reality is God is saying, I want you to rise up. Your past is your past. Start walking like you have a future. And, and yes, you're going to have that mat that for some of you is not a constant reminder of your pain. It's a reminder of your victory. It's not a reminder, Lord, why am I have to walk with this limp? Why do I have to walk with this reputation? Why do I have to walk with, Lord, can't, can't we just pretend my past never happened? And then he points to his. And he left glory. He became flesh. He suffered and was humiliated and died on the cross. Not as a guilt trip for you and I, but to pay the price so you and I could stand. Beds, wraps, whatever your story is. Because tomorrow at lunch, it could be that someone says, I'm having a bad day. And instead of you saying, me too, you've got a story. I know I've got two more minutes. I've got one more minute. <laughs> it just point. Um, old song. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It, it all stems from having a little talk with Jesus and then hearing his voice and responding to his voice. Now, some of you today, let's all stand. If you'll, just, if, if you'll just come and we'll just play something very softly in the background. I, I want us to pray. And here's how I want us to pray today. If you feel like you're on the mat, I want you to hear his voice. Because here, here's the biggest challenge I think a lot of us face in these kind of circumstances. You don't feel like you're on the mat and you really don't even feel like you're having to carry anybody. So life must be good. Is life great? And the other great temptation is 
man, if I, if I surrender my life to Christ, if I rise and allow myself to be used of God, man, I've got to stop doing this. I've got to stop doing this. I've got to stop doing this. You'll be amazed at what you have to stop doing when you start carrying the cross. It's not even about having to stop. I'm praying for us to lose the taste for stuff. The greatest way to become a humble servant is just to give everything away. Give your life away. I think the most humiliating part of the gentleman on the map was that he was already totally humiliated. He didn't have to be broken down. He was already just down. So when the opportunity came to sit up and get up, he jumped up. Maybe this story for some of you this morning needs to just be a reminder. Don't, don't let yourself get to the mat before you start following Jesus. I want to pray. And then I want us to sing this song. It's a simple song. We sang it a few moments ago. I'm desperate for you. We'll just sing the verse a few times. But I want it to be a prayer for you. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we turn to you this morning because, Lord, even as we celebrate fathers on this beautiful Father's Day, you are our example as our Father. Not that we deserve it, not, not at all because we deserve it, but because you love us. Lord, and I know there are individuals here that, that life is going great, but Lord, I pray that, that you help them see themselves as they are caring and urging people, and they need to understand that things in their life do move people forward. But Lord, I also pray for those who feel like their life is on the mat. Let us hear your words, Holy Spirit. Our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. We can rise up and walk in joy, walk in peace, walk in power. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we leave this place today, I pray that you go with us. Lord, in this week, it may be coffee, it may be lunch, it may be a simple conversation, but would you use us, would you help us? Lord, as we just, we, we don't even have an organized story, Lord. We just begin to tell people about our life and how we got through it, and his name is Jesus. Now we ask this in your precious name, and everyone said, amen. amen.